Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You're telling me you weren't feeling it? You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand your first responsibility is to preserve the hearing you have. I can't hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to, to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me, Lou. You're my part. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. does keep moving it can be a damn cruel place but those moments of stillness Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Sound of Metal, and the story is as follows. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. The film is starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, Paul Racy, Lauren Ridloff, and Mathieu Amarik. It is written and directed by Darius Martyr and co-written by Abraham Martyr. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Dan Baer. Dan Bear. I'm not saying anything because it's silence. Oh, it's a bit. Oh. <laughs> I, I got Damn. it. Damn. I did. I got it. <laughs> that was Thank good. You, Josh, I knew you some, I figured you would get it. Yeah. That was really, really good. I I really thought something was wrong there for a second. <laughs> All right. And Cody Derricks. I thought my jokes were bad. <laughs> 
All right, so we are here today to talk about Sound of Metal here on the Next Best Picture podcast, a film which debuted not at this year's Toronto International Film Festival, but last year's and has been sitting, waiting patiently to get released. Amazon Studios uh, released it just recently, and now it is in this year's award season versus if the film had released earlier in the year, maybe we would be having a different conversation. Maybe it would have the same awards prospects as it does now. Difficult to say. But the film is here. It is quite beloved. I'm pretty sure everybody here definitely has that sentiment for this film. Let's go around and gather some thoughts. First, starting off with Cody Derricks. So I went into this expecting as we've been kind of, you know, prepared for a uh, tour de force performance from Riz Ahmed, who's really been kind of one of the more impressive up and coming actors. I guess he's not up and coming. He's pretty much here. He has an Emmy Award, but, you know, younger generation actors. And it definitely is that. But it's not just that there's so much more to this movie than just that amazingly performance. It's one of the most uh, effective portrayals and uses of uh, the medium of film to get you inside the somebody else's specific headspace. I have to go back to something like uh, the diving bell and the butterfly for something that's even comparable to how effective this is. Um, so also starring Matthew uh, MLR. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my suggestion to anybody watching this at home is to absolutely blast that volume and just really get taken in on this incredible story. Yeah. Totally. I 100% agree with that. I mean, the soundscape of this movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about in detail here, is far in a way just beyond impressive. Josh Parham, what about you? I echo a lot of those sentiments that Cody just said. I I think that this is a movie that, yeah, when we all were going into it, we were expecting kind of this really great performance from Riz Ahmed. And it truly is an amazing layered complex and nuanced performance that I was really, really taken by. But I did really appreciate just this larger character study that the movie is portraying as well. And I think that the filmmaking does such an incredible job of giving you the perspective of this character and also giving you a story that doesn't have too many easy outs either. I think it actually paints a very full picture of a very complicated person and this isn't somebody just trying to overcome a like this adversity in his life. It's really about adapting to it. And I think it does so in ways that shows that character to be really like fully dimensional. And I very much appreciated that from a filmmaking and storytelling perspective. And I think overall, it's a really, really well done piece of work. All right. Dan Bear. Um, yeah, I, I was at tiff last year when this premiered although i didn't see it there but i heard obviously that riz ahmed was fantastic and just you know kind of everything in this movie but i had also heard that it was slow in quotes and i could not have been more pleased to discover when i finally did actually get to see it that that was couldn't have been farther from the truth I was so involved with it the whole way through and just like I'm a little bit in awe of just how well this thing moves. It really is a stunning piece of storytelling and I'm very much in awe of it, actually. I think one of the things that really stood out to me outside of the obvious, which is Riz Ahmed and the sound work in this movie, 
was how respectful it was towards the deaf community. Mm-hmm. How it cast actual deaf people in these roles and how much it really put a lens over that community really doing everything that they can to support one another for uh, the reasons, like you said before, Josh, not to fix something that someone might perceive as being wrong with them, but adapting to new circumstances Yeah, and learning to live with that. And the movie does this really incredible thing where it's not just Ruben, played by Riz Ahmed, adapting to the fact that now he's deaf. It's also Ruben having to come to grips with himself and who he is. He is a recovering addict Mm -hmm. who has found solace and peace through the music that he's making, which is, you know, kind of funny when you consider that the music that they're doing is loud and it's it's metal you know uh it's very very hardcore and intense stuff it's not peaceful serene necessarily and so i really really think that the contrast there is very fascinating for the character like you were saying there josh and i think that's what makes the movie very strong at the end of the day is that on the surface level, it is about someone who is trying to come to grips with the fact that now that he's deaf, but also it is this very deep character study of someone who is trying to learn to not only respect himself, but also uh, save himself. You know, it's like I, I find that the movie is so much about people feeling the need to uh, be saved and saving others. And whether that's music saving you or if it's the love of somebody else that saves you or support from somebody else, whatever it is that ultimately saves you from yourself, I think that Ruben eventually comes to the realization that only he can do that for himself. And it's a it's a really incredible journey. And part of what makes this movie, the story that they're telling in this way, even more remarkable in its success is the fact that it's not in any way a universal story looking at it on the surface. There's so many layers of specificity that make this character's journey completely singular and totally his own. You know, not only is he going deaf, he also is a drummer in a specific subset of music and he's a recovering addict. So there's so many layers of uh, specificity and yet the filmmakers, especially because of Riz Ahmed's performance, but also the strong character voices in the writing are still able to make it a universal story that pretty much anybody I can imagine will be moved by. And that speaks to the sense of authenticity that the movie has. And I think that it really does feel to me like the storytelling in here really understands that you need to kind of envelop yourself within this community that it's being that is uh, being showcased here. And you need to really feel like these are actual people. And in some regards, that's accomplished by the casting. But I also just feel like the entire tone of the movie feels like it isn't trying to be an outsider looking in. It is actually kind of going into this world and giving you a very authentic representation about what people have to go through and how that is a part of their lives. And the journey for this character is to accept that it's going to be a part of his life and not something that it's simply just an element to overcome. And you don't really get that a lot in these types of movies. And I think that that shows a real uh, attention to detail that I very much appreciated in this film. If you told me that this was, a documentary like a real life set 
place, people, and Riz Ahmed was playing a character who happened to be dropped in the middle of all of that, I would completely believe you. Yeah, kind of like Nomadland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I would completely believe you. And like it almost is. Sure. The, I don't think that they made up this place, the, the particular place that um Ruben goes to, that Paul Racy runs, but I have no doubt that there are similar types of places in the world. And all, all these people are obviously a community. But it's not even just that. It's just the subtle interactions that everyone yeah. has with one another, how authentic and natural the dialogue just feels at times, the characters' behaviors. Everything just feels like it's so off the cuff, not rehearsed, not... It's always if, like, Darius Martyr had an incredible amount of time to rehearse, and they just let the actors just take the scene. Like, none, this does not feel meticulously controlled in a way where you know there are these emotional beats that you know you're you're expecting to land and then they land like everything just feels so organic and that really speaks to the strong filmmaking on display because it's so easy for this kind of material to feel very cynical and it this movie doesn't really ever indulge in that it does feel like it's coming from a place of wanting to sincerely show this community in a way that feels real to their actual representation. And I think that Darius Martyr should get a lot of credit for crafting a story that feels like it's not exploitative at all, that it actually genuinely has affection for every single person here, no matter what flaw that they present and how they have to deal with it. I find that to be just so refreshing from a storytelling perspective. And I think that is the thing that really resonated with me is just like, all of these characters are flawed in very specific ways and it fully acknowledges and embraces every single one of those flaws and acknowledges that people are complicated in a way that I, I'm not sure that I've seen another movie do it quite in this way before like i mean yeah like people are complicated is kind of the raison d'etre of many movies but i don't think it's ever felt quite so messy and like a bunch of like like a bunch of different interconnected faults that people have yeah usually in movies it's like you know you have your one flaw and you know that's your flaw and that's what you spend the whole movie overcoming but really in this movie i think with ruben and a, a little bit with paul racy's character too i think they're they have a, this whole set of flaws that the movie is dedicated to making them understand and you know in a way that a lot of movies just don't and sometimes when you watch a movie where a character is making continual quote unquote bad choices it is sometimes tiring you sometimes want to yell at the tv like what are you doing you're just fucking up your life that's not the case here even when Riz Ahmed's character is making choices that probably aren't in his best interest or at least not in the interest of you know how you can tell this story is going (laughs) and where we're leading to you still absolutely understand it and again that's testament to the acting and the writing combined yeah I, I completely agree with that because as I was mentioning before I think that every impulsive decision that Ruben goes through in this, especially when we get to the third act, 
even though it does, even though it screams to us, oh, this isn't going to work. This is going to backfire because we know that that's where the character probably needs to get to. Right. The character has to reach an even lower point than where he is in the beginning of act one when he loses his hearing. So we have to have him get to uh, an even lower point there. But the movie, as Josh said, does something quite extraordinary, which is it doesn't wallow in the drama trauma and self-pity and instead it it leaves us with this incredibly hopeful and uplifting message at the end and one that is built on acceptance and peace inner peace and i i I was so so taken aback by the fact that the movie went this more unconventional route as opposed to a more melodramatic route that it could have gone (laughs) Yeah, there's a world where this movie is just how this drummer overcomes, again, quote unquote, his disability to learn how to play the drums again. And that's not at all where the movie is taking you. And that's apparent pretty quickly. So it's just one more subversion of expectation that really benefits the story. Yeah. And it's interesting because, like, you know, the the logline of the movie is, you know, like, you know, metal drummer goes deaf right but that doesn't get into like what his actual like what his actual character arc is in this movie it's really more about codependence and learning to be okay by himself yep and i was not expecting that going in and even for for i think a little part of the first act i wasn't expecting it but then <laughs> Olivia Cook is so good in this, and their relationship is so strongly written and even more strongly, I think, performed by the two of them that that scene where she tells him, no, you are staying here at this program, and I am going away, and neither of us necessarily want this but this is what you need to do and i'm going because i know that if i don't you're not going to do it is so well acted and i've seen the movie twice now and both times it just kind of like blew my mind that that was that the movie decided to go there i wish and it's one of my criticisms of the movie the relationship between lou and ruben is so good in this yeah and it is the thing that the movie starts off with and it's something that the movie concludes with towards the end and really encapsulates a lot of the themes of what I was talking about before in terms of uh, this feeling of needing to feel safe to, to be saved. I genuinely wish that Olivia Cook was in the second act of this movie more. She disappears completely and it it does bother me just a little bit. See, I I disagree. Yeah, I disagree too, Dan. <laughs> I, 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 but the reason why is because I selfishly wanted more. I wanted maybe an attempt from him to contact her or something. I mean, he was I, tracking them he to was, a degree. Yeah. 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 And I think I think that that is just I think that they throw her in in the sort of second act of the movie just enough to make you understand what he's going through and why he does what he does towards the end of yeah. the movie. And I think the fact that we don't see her until near the very end, I think that's mm-hmm. very important. And because I think by that point they are sort of different 
people and you need them to be different people and to have kind of move, grown apart in a way in order for it to work. Yeah, because you realize by the end how much their relationship is dependent upon codependency. Yeah. Yeah, and the the very defined three-act structure of the movie, uh, I like that she's almost in a way, without giving away too much, she's almost bookends for this character. Yeah. And it the, the way the three-act structure works, it's very solid and very obvious in its telling, but the way it kind of flows with the character threading that structure in an unpredictable way really reflects the true-to-life um, experience of having something just happen to you and having to deal with it. You know, it's not at all where he saw his life going, but it still kind of is structured around this basic storytelling element, which, you know, it's like a balancing act in a way on the screenplay's <laughs> part, but it's really well done. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, I I do actually like that she is absent for most of it and then comes back at the end. I, I agree that it is this interesting bookend to that character that informs Ruben's journey where it needs to at that moment. I will say, though, that I think her reintroduction into the story is a little bit contrived where he goes to see her family and there's this party and, oh, she just happens to be coming back today. I. I don't know. I thought that was a little bit contrived to get us to that moment. The results are really good, but I did think it was maybe just a bit sloppy in the way that we got to that I, moment. I, I thought that they had established earlier in the movie that she was in France and that's where her parents live. And it, it, it made sense to me that he would like look for her there and that I got the impression that she was staying there, not that she was just, you know, dropping in. Yeah. I still think that, I don't know. I, I mean, I agree a little to too neat, but yeah, I think yeah. the building blocks to get there are a little bit like, you know, like you said, Dan, a little bit too neat, especially for a movie that up until that point had been pretty confident in being kind of shaggy and not really following very right. typical storytelling conventions. And then we got to that moment. It's like there's a lot of stuff in that section that I really, really do like. But the setup did feel a little a little contrived to me is all. Yeah. Just for what it's worth, I, I did get the sense that she was staying there as well. And that's why Ruben knew to go there. She just didn't happen to be home when he got there. That was the way I, that's the way I read it. So it allowed for them, for him to then have that scene with uh, uh, Mathieu uh, Amarique, uh, so that this way 
you know, it could add a little bit more context to the relationship between Ruben and Lou and how her father did not approve of him at first because they were both addicts and they were both enabling each other probably to use. But then they both together stopped using. And, you know, once his father, once her father, like, realized how vital and important that was to saving, like, his daughter's life, he he likes Ruben. And I, I don't know. I, I really, really liked, once again, those scenes because the dialogue just feels so natural and does not feel contrived to me necessarily in terms of like, oh, we're going for a big movie moment scene here, you know, or anything like that. Everything just felt like it just flowed so well. To, to Dan's point before, when he was mentioning how this movie moves, I don't think that it has like what I would consider to be obviously like fast paced editing or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that, but in terms of the I mean. flow of the movie, in terms of yeah. characters making decisions that lead from point A to point B and the way that the character's thought process like really influences the decisions that they make and the conversations that they have, everything just feels 100% natural. I, th- I think that's what you were getting at, right, Dan? It's like more like the flow. Yeah, the flow of it and how like well, the second time I watched it, I got I forget what point that I that it was in the movie. I sort of perked up and went like, oh, we're we're here already? Mm-hmm. Like I thought that occurred later in the movie. And then and then I paused to see where I was in the, you know, in the runtime. And it was like near the halfway point. And I was like, I I just started watching it. And I the thing is, is like it's not, you know, like like you said, it's not that fast-paced anything, but like the scenes move so well and so logically, and it does this really fantastic job. And I think mostly through, I, I can't believe it's been, you know, 20 minutes and we haven't brought really talked about the sound design yet, but through this sound design really brings you into the world of these well, of Ruben specifically, and then into sort of the world of all of these characters that he's living with at this in this program, and that I, I'm just so engaged with it on a scene to scene basis, and it, it, it's something that is very very striking to me because I don't think that I would call this movie incredibly fast, and I do think that it is kind of that deliberately paced, I would say. But of all the deliberately paced movies I've seen so far, this is the one that by far like goes by the fastest for me. Sure. It has a rambling quality to it. I mean, yeah. not in the true sense of the word, not in the meandering sense. It really yeah. is kind of moving naturally through this man's life. There's, And I think that's maybe why that moment with uh, the Olivia Cook character at the end does feel... I wouldn't I wouldn't call it contrived, but it is very neat <laughs> and it, it sticks out because in any other movie that would feel normal. But because this movie, again, it has that typical three act structure, but it kind of takes its time moving through it that it feels surprising when it does kind of jump into typical storytelling beats. I think my favorite thing about the third act between Ruben and Lou is the fact that the movie does not go the route of she sees him, jumps into his arms gives him a kiss and the movie's over. Yeah. You know, it's not like the big reunion. Everything is happy and, you know, credits. Yeah. It, it is really <laughs> almost like at every turn, the movie decided to take not necessarily the more difficult narrative path, but the more interesting narrative path. Oh, I think, I, I, I think they're both one in the same actually. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think so because like, you know, even that, you know, that moment with Olivia Cook, like it would have been just as expected to have it be, you know, this big romantic ending, but they, they decided to not 
go that way and this way is more more interesting it'd be more difficult to go the real romantic ending route and make it work <laughs> i think yeah than this one i i hope that those who, who are listening to this um are okay with spoilers because uh one thing that i will say is that when ruben has his operation done and he has these implants put in uh, where it changes the way that he actually now hears sound. It's more staticky. God. That sound work oh. is more frightening than anything that is done in the first act of this movie. So. And that party scene especially is up there with one of the most nerve-wracking scenes uh. I have seen in anything this year. I... I I was when I tell you my body was so tense just from the sound design of what they were doing. I, I, you were mentioning before how incredible uh, this movie makes you feel like you're in Ruben's headspace throughout uh, the running time. And dear Lord. Oh, yeah. That yeah. <laughs> blew me away when the movie did that, because like not that the sound work is like unimpressive in the first half. It, it very much is. But, you know. It's sort of expected of what you would think a movie would try to do to make you understand what a person going deaf probably perceives the world as. But muffled sound, ringing, uh, ringing in your ears type of sound. Yeah, like we, yeah, we've yeah. heard that before. And it's very good. Don't get me wrong. I, will, I think it's really, really good work. Kind of know what to expect from that. The second half, when he does get the implants, like that is completely unique. And trying to sell what the world sounds like to somebody like that to an audience that may not fully comprehend that initially is a, I would imagine a very difficult task. And yeah, I was absolutely oh just amazed at that work and that you really understood like what he was able to get as a character, but then also what he's giving away. And then when you get to that final moment at the end with the silence where it is so incredibly earned oh, and you just gosh. sit with it, it, Honestly, I, that might be my favorite ending to any movie this year. It, it's so it's, so well done. It's so good, and it's definitely up there for me too. I the the scene where they activate the those implants, the way that Riz Ahmed performs that moment of hearing all these things for the first time is it is maybe my favorite acting moment. It, uh, of of anything this year yeah because at first it goes from elation and surprise to then all of a sudden confusion back to unease and fear again <laughs> the very specific type of sad that you see on his face the very specific yeah. type of disappointment is so it's just a split second moment almost but it's so powerful ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I we I we've all seen those videos of you know babies having their cochlear implants activated for the first time, and they're always you know positioned as heartwarming. So maybe it was naive of me, but I assumed when this character would get it turned on, that it would be pretty much back to the hearing he had before. And you can tell the character probably thought the same thing. So to see him go through this journey that we at the same time are experiencing, also along with him, but making it more personal is really just incredible. Yeah. And then also 
from that decision that he makes, understanding what the consequences are and how that affects his place within that community. Because, yeah, that's a very controversial thing within the deaf community. And I liked that then the movie dealt with those consequences in a very authentic way that also didn't judge him and didn't throw him aside and saying like, oh, that was a terrible thing that he had had just did, but understands that it's a choice that he made and this is what he now has to deal with. It's a new reality that he has to accept within his life. And the movie does that in such a sincere way that felt very true to how these types of situations would probably play out in real life. Completely sold by the incredibly emotive performance from Paul Racy when he is delivering that news to him that he has to pack his bags and leave because of what he has decided to do. You can tell it is eating him up inside because he really does not want to have to give him that decision. But Ruben's made the decision for him and it hurts him so much. You know how I said I thought that scene with Riz Ahmed might be my favorite moment of acting this year. (laughs) This is the other one that's in like really close contention for that slot because, and again, like you can see so much playing out on his face during that scene about like how he knew this guy was trouble and he helped him anyway. And he let himself get invested and he tried and he knew what this means, what this would, he knew what this would mean. And he did it anyway. And you can see again, like the, the very specific type of disappointment throughout it, really his whole body during that scene. And oh God, it's heartbreaking. When he tells him, you sound like an addict, broke yes. my heart. Like, oh my God. And it was so true. And he did. He did sound like an addict. Like, oh. Yeah, that's my favorite scene in the movie, pretty handily, which is extra impressive given the fact that it is just two actors sitting at a table talking to each other in this otherwise very uh, craft oriented movie, especially the sound work, like we've mentioned. And we haven't even talked about the 35 millimeter cinematography, which is gorgeous. But in this specific scene, Both actors are doing what I think is one of the more impressive and difficult types of acting where you're holding back the emotion rather than displaying it, which is, I I can say that's an actor, pretty easy (laughs) to do sometimes. Um, And there was a similar comment made. I I thought of uh, Pain and Glory last year where Mm. uh, I believe it's Antonio Banderas' character as a director mentions that the most impressive type of acting is an actor trying not to cry and you see that on display from both these actors notably while racing the scene but both of them are have put a mask on and as an actor when you're already wearing a mask of a character to put a mask on top of that mask is unbelievably impressive so it's so good so good but how incredible also is it that paul racy maybe knows deep down that if he does cut Ruben loose, even though he doesn't necessarily want to do that, that Ruben can come to the realization on his own about what it is that he's done. And it might actually push him to where Paul Racy's character, Joe, is actually trying to get him to, which is to be comfortable with that stillness. I mean, you can tell that he hopes it will. Yeah. But and that and that thing in the is that like 
part of that is he knows that he will he will never know. Nope. And we never see anything about never his character again. again. Oh, it's, oh, I tell you that that is I my favorite supporting male performance of the year, I think, really. And then knowing his story, which they use in the movie, too. He really is a Vietnam veteran in real life. Yep. And he is also a child of deaf parents. And so he grew up not really. I think American Sign Language is his first language. And he just and he works, you know, with the deaf community, like the whole thing. It is it is a near perfect marriage of actor and character as perfect as you are ever going to find, I think. And just like, oh, he repays that casting in such beautiful ways. At this point, what I would like to, uh, you know, do is go around and maybe get uh, final thoughts on the film. Uh, anything that we did not talk about that you would like to mention. So, Josh, I'll kick it over to you first. Uh, anything on Sound of Metal? I do just want to say that, like, I really do like this movie. And I think that the only thing that kind of holds me back just a little bit is that I do think that there are parts in the screenplay's construction that, as I mentioned, feels a little contrived or a little awkward in their setup just a tiny bit i think also in the second half like i didn't really understand how much time he was actually at this group and that kind of no, threw me a yeah. little bit and so there's like very minor things that kind of that just pick at it just a little bit it's not enough to say like oh it's a terrible movie but i feel like when those moments in which I am totally engaged or working so well when something pops up that seems a little incongruous to that natural flow. It did sort of take me out just a little bit, but they are like relatively minor nitpicks against a movie that I find to be so very strong in terms of the perspective that it's willing to have for these characters. And I I really like that. It's a very complex portrait. Like this isn't just about a movie about a guy who's trying to overcome his quote-unquote disability with hearing loss it's really about self-acceptance and that journey gets mixed in with the hearing loss that he's going through but it's also just about all these other self-worth things that he's dealing with at the same time and coming to that resolution is what makes his character study all that more uh, stronger and i will always appreciate this movie for going that route instead of something more conventional all right cody derrick's Uh, Just echoing what Josh said, I mean, it kind of pairs nicely. What I was saying before about how it's uh, such a specific story, but it is, you know, regardless of the circumstances of the story, a tale of finding your own self-worth and acceptance and independence. And uh, again, it puts us so strongly in the perspective of the character, not just using the sound work, but I didn't even mention the fact that, um, you know, halfway through the movie, suddenly there are subtitles when the characters are communicating through sign language and mm-hmm. it's just further sells um, the bond that we as an audience are allowed to have with this main character, which just further adds to the empathy we naturally derive from it based on, in addition to that, the acting and the writing. Yeah, totally. Dan Bear. I want to give a big, huge shout out to uh, Tony nominee, Lauren Ridloff, uh, who is in this for a, couple of scenes as a, a 
teacher at a school for deaf children that Ruben goes to. And the reason that I want to do it is that it seems for really like a good 10 to 20 minutes of this movie that like it is going to set the like it's setting the two of them up mm-hmm. to be another romantic coupling. And it and because she is so lovely and because Riz Ahmed is Riz Ahmed and because like they they create this bond so well, it, you really feel like it's going to go there and then it doesn't. And I was just really glad for a number of reasons that they didn't go that route. No, as, as we mentioned before, every single moment that the screenplay could go in a direction that would feel uh, completely, melod- you know, like add into the melodrama, if you will, because now we have to deal with maybe possible repercussions of his relationship with Lou later on. If he's got, you know, a, n- a new woman that he's with, I, you know, it's like all these other problems that the movie could create for itself. It, it never it never falls into any of those traps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it never goes there. And just like it just lets you enjoy this moment in his life as just a moment where he really is learning how to be deaf. There is no ulterior motive (laughs) that the film is going for in this moment. (laughs) Yep. And I, again, like I just, I just really love it. And it's, it's so well done. So well performed. My other like favorite scene is during this section where he starts um, playing the, drums on this metal sled oh yeah mm-hmm. with one of the kids yeah he started he starts tapping yeah he's and that's when like you can sort of you watch him make this turnaround like okay maybe maybe i can live with this yeah which makes the final act of the film hit that much harder because again like you think it's going one way and it does not go there at all I think like the most incredible thing about that moment is another moment that is similar to it, which is the scene where they are listening to uh, the piano and they have their hands on the uh, piano so they can feel the vibrations of the notes that are being hit. So in a way, he's still connected to the music, which he's very, very passionate about. And even though he can't hear it the same way, he could still feel it to some degree. Yeah. Contrast that with the scene at the end where he's listening to uh, Olivia Cook during the piano sequence with uh, Mathieu uh, Almarique, and it's like, oh man, he will never be able to appreciate music uh, with these implants like this. No way. way. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like one on one dialogue with somebody in a quiet room, yeah, he can he can get by. But man, that that scene that that scene broke me. Because it sounds so beautiful, and then once you hear it, what it sounds like to him from his perspective, holy shit! It's so well done, <laughs> and, that, and that specific, yeah, that specific moment too is the only time that the film fades from one aural perspective to another, and it yes. just further sells literally what the character. I don't, I don't want to say has lost, but it's a difference in what he wants to experience versus what he is experiencing, and how that bridge can't be crossed anymore. My final thoughts are. I listen to metal music. I love metal music. Mm-hmm. I would never listen to this kind of metal music. 
It's just, it's too, too much for me. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's the point of that kind yeah. of metal music. <laughs> like, you know when people say, like, all oh, metal music is just noise? Like, I really did feel like that that was just noise. <laughs> and then the other thing, too, is that I went into this movie thinking, I don't know why, but I think I was just expecting a whiplash kind of a movie that was obviously the drummer connection was there, but I also think I was expecting a movie that was going to be angry. And there is a very, very little bit of that, but this movie is so much more than just anger. And I think for me, that is the more rewarding and best aspect of this film storytelling overall is that it leaves us with something that is unexpected, but more true and more rewarding. And that's why it's one of the best films of the year. All right. So great out of 10. Uh, I'm going with an eight out of 10 on this one. I do think that there are points in the movie where the film slows down maybe just a little too much in the second act. But I really, really do like the overall flow, as Dan mentioned before, how organic the storytelling is and how natural everything feels in terms of the acting and how we get from um, the character's journey from point A to point B, like I said before, all, all the way to the end. Uh, and that final shot and that final moment is just a true stunner. Riz Ahmed delivers easily one of the best performances of the year. He's absolutely incredible in this, as is really the entire cast. Uh, just all around, this is such a good movie. Uh, Cody, what about you? I completely agree. I'm also giving it an 8 out of 10. And yeah, I my only holds up holdups are... While I disagree with the notion of this movie being slow, I do think it kind of there are some moments, like you said, Matt, in the second act, which are it's tricky because I think they're necessary to sell where the character was and where he currently is. So you need to take time. But that doesn't mean that there weren't some portions where I was like, okay, where are we going? What's what's next? So that's that's my hold my what's holding me back from a higher score. But still, eight out of ten, definitely respectable. Dan Bear. Yeah, I too am at an an eight out of ten. It is really strong, not perfect, but really strong. Josh Parm. Well, far be it for me to break up the eight party. That's <laughs> where I'm at also. And yeah, it, it's really, really good. There's a couple of things about it that do kind of hold me back, like in terms of sort of the plot construction. It it really keeps me out of the nine and ten territory, but it's still really really good still an incredible piece of filmmaking and yeah anchored by that wonderful performance from Riz Ahmed I, I would seriously recommend it to people I thought that the lack of shirt on Riz Ahmed would push you to a nine Josh I really oh, did you know what? I was uh, really trying very hard to go through this podcast without mentioning that because me too Josh it's so obvious and I wanted to try to be as professional as I could but yes I agree with you, Matt. <laughs> well, let me say, just using that as a jumping off point, what's the most, what's even more impressive about this movie is that that we did not need to bring that up as a selling point up till now, but yes. it definitely <laughs> is a selling point that the first 10 minutes of the movie, he is sans shirt. I mean, really, the first 10 minutes of this movie, I'm like, he's a, he's shirtless, he has that body, he has those tattoos, he is a drummer, and he, like, cares so much for his girlfriend and then he like dances with her in their little trailer and i'm like what where why can't this guy be real <laughs> <laughs> like where is my trailer and hot tattooed 
drum group. <laughs> like, where is my Riz? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Oscar potential for Sound of Metal. Interesting conversation that we're having about this one right now because I think if you asked all of us just even a few weeks ago, I think we would all be in agreement that the prospects were best actor and best sound. But from what I'm seeing reception-wise, overall, and I asked a bunch of people earlier today, like, what are some movies that they've seen this year that uh, they would give perfect scores to that they think are, like, the best of the year? And let me tell you, people are really, really responding to this movie. I think that its prospects are going up in Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Screenplay. What do you guys think? I completely agree because I think that people... It's already going to get eyeballs because of Riz and because that performance has been talked about for so long. And then it is one of those things where you can just see that performance sort of bringing other parts of the movie along with it because the movie, it, it is not something like, um, sorry, Glenn, but it's not something like The Wife where the everyone sort of agreed, well, the movie is you know, kind of meh to trash, but she's great in it. Like this one, the whole movie is great. And Riz Ahmed's performance is just one piece of that greatness. And I do think that, you know, barring if some of the, I mean, it's weird to say late year releases, but the late year releases that are getting released in February, um, if some of those, you know, like don't, end up being what people thought they would be, I think this one is right there ready to take a spot in Best Picture at the very least. I think screenplay is definitely in play, and I think supporting actor is too. I do think Olivia Cook is missing uh, another scene to be more firmly in my supporting actress predictions. Yeah, she, she is really, really good, but there's not a um traditional oscar bait scene that she would need to break into that category yeah the movie is benefited by the fact that exactly what dan said the performance is getting such notices that people will be watching this plus you know amazon it's right there on your tv already there's really no excuse not to watch it and i feel like not every year but pretty often there's a movie or two that the strength of one Awards prospect brings the whole movie with it. I'm thinking of it's a weird comparison, but like Darkest Hour was such an in for Gary Oldman for a long time that I kind of rode the coattails in the opposite direction of most movies. And like, I mean, I hate to make the obvious comparison, but Whiplash definitely was for a long time just a J.K. Simmons contender. And then the more people got to see it, it became kind of undeniable in several other categories. And before you know it, it wins three Oscars without even blinking. Yeah, I wanted to say in regards to that aspect really quick, I I will be shocked if I see anything this year that deserves to win the sound Oscar over this. Oh my god. I just need to say it's not it's everything we've mentioned so far, but even some so things that are outside of the perspective of the Riz Ahmed character, like the opening heavy metal performance, it is loud, but in this incredible way, and I don't I don't have the full vocabulary. I'm not somebody in the sound community. It is loud in <laughs> substance, but not in volume, if that makes sense. It it's gives clear. an impression of loudness in the in the mix, but it isn't so loud that I was worried about waking up my neighbors, you know? It, yeah. it definitely gives that impression and that weight of volume without being 
without blasting your speakers apart, which is really impressive. Or even like when Riz Ahmed is listening to the doctors talk to him like through the headphones. Yeah, that's a good scene, too. There's so many great examples of it throughout this movie. Just something about like the overall soundscape of this movie. I'm sure that given the way this movie is portrayed, I cannot imagine how much of this had to be done in post. You know, I'm sure there were scenes where just a room tone was enough when it was mostly actors speaking uh, via sign language. That's you can record that live, I'm sure. But so many of the scenes, especially in the last third where his implants are in, I'm sure we're entirely constructed in post, which is even more impressive that they fit so seamlessly to the movie. I attended a Q&A for this movie, and I <sighs> I forget how long they said, but like most of the post-production process was spent on the sound work. Well, it's been in production it, it was for something a long insane. time, so that doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, yeah I think it was, it was something insane. I like My memory is telling me five months but it may not have been quite that long, but it was something like like ridiculously long to just work on sound. The movie is also helped by the fact that we're now just down to one sound category. So there's no uh, yeah. <laughs> confusion or whatever. Uh, you know, it's just the sound is good. Give it this Oscar. <laughs> I agree. Yep. And I think it could actually win the Oscar, too. Me too. I am I, I am going to predict it, even if I. If I have it winning nothing else, I am going to have it winning this. I am currently predicting it to win. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you guys feeling about Riz Ahmed an actor? Because I, I was saying this back when I saw the film over the uh, uh, film festivals over the fall. I think he's actually as much of a lock as Hopkins and Bozeman are at this point. Oh, yeah. And I think he is a strong third place. Does anyone is anyone here at all worried that? The fact that he is kind of seen as like, you know, younger could hurt him in this. I am worried about that a little bit. I, I I do get this feeling like he could be one of those people that shows up everywhere and then maybe shockingly misses on nomination morning. But I do still think that the work itself is so impressive. And if we're talking about that performance, maybe bringing in other categories along for the ride, I think that. If nothing else, you sort of have to at least bet on him getting in. And at this point, I am still pretty confident that that he's going to get in. I mean, like, even if we think about the cynical version of this movie, that kind of performance would still be getting in. Exactly. Yeah. It's about as showy as you can hope. And it's not just the showmanship that's impressive. It is so many other layers of it. But even if somebody's looking at it in a reductive way, it is still impressive. Yeah. Like it checks off so many boxes that. Oscar voters typically look for in a lead performance. So many. Mm -hmm. Now, I do feel great about Riz. I really do. I feel great about the sound. It is everything else right now where I'm like, "Mm, I I need to see how the rest of the season does take place. Like they're prospects and they're definitely going to be in the conversation. But in terms of me actually feeling really confident that they're getting there, I'm not there yet. Yeah, it's on the bubble in a lot of other categories. Like I would have it in like a long list in original screenplay and picture, yeah. maybe even director, honestly. But it's not quite in the category of I think that it's close to getting there. It all depends on how some of the precursors shake out. I would need to see that first. 
Yeah. Right. Even this late in the game, because it's a weird year, there's still so many factors that have to be, you know, recognized first. There's, you know, what the hell's going on with Judas and the Black Messiah and, and screenplay and like who how are they going to respond to promising young woman overall? Mm-hmm. But there's certain there definitely is a trajectory for it in like we've been saying, you know, two or three other categories outside of the I would say close to locks in actor and sound and yeah. screenplay is probably the next one after that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, given um, given the things that the Academy tends to like, I think Darius Martyr may be more of a threat in director than people would expect. That wouldn't shock me, especially given that branch. That sounds like something yeah. that they would definitely go for. I mean, he is someone who has really kind of uh, worked his way up in the industry, like, you know, working with a dark sea in France on a lot of his movies and he's been around for a long time and this is a passion project and he also helped write it. And it's, I mean, and again, like it just happens to be a really strong movie too, on top of all that. Yeah. And this is his like debut feature, right? I think I, he had a documentary before this, yeah. but it's his first I think narrative, it's his feature. narrative feature. Yeah. Okay. Well that might qualify him still for a lot of first time director prizes. Agreed. And, you know, one one way I kind of do see Darius Martyr in this like director field, uh, and this might sound like a weird comparison at first, um, is Lenny Abramson in Room, where the strength mm-hmm. of the performance, Brie Larson mm-hmm. brings along other things with it, and it managed to get into the best picture uh, conversation. Sound of Metal could easily do that. And then next thing you know, boom, there's Darius Martin in the director category, and we're all just like, it makes sense, but whoa, did that come out of nowhere? Yeah, I would not sleep on that nomination possibly happening. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Anything else? No, I mean, I think at this point, the safest bets you can make are actor and sound, and there's other ones that have outside possibilities, but it's not completely sold on it yet. It still needs kind of some other bigger contenders to fall off, and it needs its general stock to rise uh, throughout the entire award season, which we just have to wait and see about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That'll do it here for our review of sound of metal. Cody, where can they find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter, letterboxd and Instagram at Cody monster 91. Dan bear. You can find me on Twitter at dance and Dan on film, Josh Parham. And you can find me on Twitter at J R Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Sound of Metal here on the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. If you're feeling generous, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, drop us a comment, rate us five stars. And if you want to take that a step further, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.